Today's scripture comes from 1 Timothy 4, 13 through 16. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. The word of the Lord. Hey everybody, welcome. My name is Eric, one of the pastors here at Trinity. Thank you, Erica, for reading that passage of scripture. And thanks for giving us such a beautiful background with the uh, bougainvillea there, uh, blooming in the spring. So friends, last Sunday, on Easter Sunday, we finished our series on the Lord's Prayer. And as I was thinking and praying about what to preach on next for such life and world-altering times, as I was praying and thinking about it, I felt like it was still best for us to return to uh, the original plan that I had, which was to return back to the series that we were in before we started with the Lord's Prayer. For those who don't uh, remember what that was, or if you're new uh, to Trinity, joining us uh, on our live stream, welcome, by the way. Uh, before Lent, before the Lord's Prayer, we were in a series called Signs of Life in the letter of 1 Timothy, and we were looking at the metrics of spiritual health. The story behind the letter of 1 Timothy is this. Timothy was in a very hard situation. Um, he was leading and serving a church that was very unhealthy. We would probably describe it as toxic. And it's clear he felt overwhelmed by it. He didn't know exactly what to do and how to handle it. And the Apostle Paul heard about this. Timothy was one of his close friends. The church where Timothy was serving and leading was a church the Apostle Paul knew well. It was a church at Ephesus. So when he heard about all that was happening there, he was very concerned. And he wrote this letter, the letter of 1 Timothy. He wrote this letter to guide Timothy in diagnosing and treating the spiritual unhealth that was at work in the church, and to guide the people of the church, to guide Timothy himself and the entire community back to life and back to health. Just as our whole world now is focused on diagnosing and treating COVID-19 so that we can come back to physical life, and health. First Timothy's urgent focus is on diagnosing and treating spiritual health. So our lives and our situations as people and as the church has drastically changed over the past few weeks. I can't think of anything more disruptive, any, any more massive change that we could all be experiencing and going through. But I was asking myself this week, have the signs of life and spiritual health changed? And I was thinking about this. Uh, I was thinking, what, what other institution, what other, uh, what other group has survived over 2,000 years? 2,000 years where there has been famine and war, persecution, plague, and all kinds of adversity and afflictions. Well, the Christian church has survived over 2,000 years. And as I was asking myself, how, why, what were the signs of life and spiritual health for a church, a community, an institution, the Church of Jesus Christ to survive 
2,000 years of adversity. I, I said, have, have things changed because of all that we're facing and going through? And I felt like the answer was clearly no. The signs of life and the metrics of spiritual health have not changed. I want to share a slide with you um, to show you what we've covered. The signs of life in 1 Timothy. Love is still the most important metric. We, we talked about that at the beginning of this series. The grace renewal stories still are signs that we understand the gospel of our need for Jesus and his sufficiency for us. Prayer is still a sign of life. Church as family, maybe more than ever, we need each other as family. Cultural discernment to understand uh, what is right and wrong, what is true and good to be accepted and what is not, still so important. A missional heart, thinking not of only of ourselves but others, and a life that is lived in training for godliness. All those things apply just as much, if not more so, in our current situation uh, as they did before. That's where we've been, where are we headed. For the next four weeks, and we can go to the next slide, we're going to look at four more signs of life and metrics. There are the signs we looked at, those seven, before Lent, and here's where we're headed. Signs of life continued. These four things, I believe, are so important for us individually and as a church as we face the challenges ahead with so much uncertainty about the future. We're going to talk about the metric of care for those in need, the metric of contentment in any circumstance, and the metric of generosity at all times. But today, you'll see there at the bottom, we are going to look at the metric of paying attention. In verse 16, if you look in your Bibles or in your church handout, the bulletin, you'll see Paul says this, Pay close attention to these two things, your life and to your teaching, for in doing this you will save both yourself and your hearers. This whole section of 1 Timothy, starting in verse 13, is a summary section in the letter. Paul is saying, until I come. So he's saying to Timothy, until I get there, here's what I want you to focus on. Timothy, there is uh, more to say. There's more to do. But until I get there, pay attention to these two things. He says, pay attention to yourself and to your teaching. Because if you don't do these two things, if you don't pay close attention to your life and to your teaching, you will lose yourself and those to whom God has called you to serve and love. Paying attention, friends, is this consequential and this important, but paying attention for us is very hard. Maybe it's harder than ever for us in our technological age with so many distractions available to us to pay attention. It came out a few years ago, but in 2015, Time Magazine released an article about our, uh, our loss of the ability to pay attention, how our attention span is shorter than it ever has been. Um, if you saw the article, and there's been quite a buzz uh, since that time, Time Magazine compared human attention span to the attention span of a goldfish. So here's, here's a quick little picture from that study. In the year 2000, the study said the average uh, attention span of a human was 12 seconds. But now, 
with the advent of technology and so many distractions and the busyness of our lives, says we went down to eight seconds. So now we are uh, <laughs> we are less able to pay attention than a goldfish. So it's never been harder. And now with COVID-19, with, with uh, coronavirus and all that it's brought into our lives, there's so much that we are thinking about. There's the news, uh, there's our lives and the things that we need uh, to attend to. It's never been harder for us to pay attention, but it's never been more crucial, friends, for us to pay attention to the two things that are in this passage. So I have two points that I want to look at this morning with you. Kids, have your bulletin ready. I do have some pictures for you to draw. Be ready for those. But our two uh, points are the two points here in verse 16. The two things Paul says uh, to Timothy, you need to pay attention both to yourself and to your teaching. First, pay attention to ourselves. The literal translation of verse 16 is pay attention to yourself. It may say your life in your translation. And this is actually the second time that Paul told leaders in this church at Ephesus to pay attention to themselves. The first time was in Acts, in Acts 20, 28. Paul was gathered with all the leaders from the church at Ephesus. It was his farewell moment and message to them. And in Acts 20, 28, one of my own personal life verses, Paul says this to them. He says, pay attention to yourselves and to the flock of which God has made you overseers. So clearly for Paul, one of the metrics of spiritual leadership and spiritual maturity is paying attention to ourselves. Now here's your picture, kids. I want you to draw a picture, uh, do your best of a stick figure, if that's all you can draw, of, um, of yourself looking into a mirror. So draw that picture. And you might be saying, really? A metric of spiritual health and leadership is paying attention to ourselves? Isn't that, isn't that our problem? What does it mean? What does Paul mean to pay close attention to our lives? And as I said earlier, uh, the literal translation for this word life is the word self. That's a pretty broad concept. But you might be asking, do we really need to be told to pay attention to ourselves? Aren't we already very good at this? Isn't this our problem that we're so self-absorbed and self-focused? Well, here is what I think Paul is saying in Acts and in 1 Timothy when he says, pay attention to yourselves. I have a slide here um, that we can move to. What does it mean, pay attention to ourselves? It means giving time and space for honest self-awareness in the presence of God. Paying attention to ourselves means giving time for questions like, how am I really doing, honestly? It means paying attention to our emotions, and the, which is really the language of our soul. Our emotions give us a window into what we're really feeling. What is really going on in my soul? How is my inner life aligned with my outer life? Am I pretending? Am I living in hypocrisy? Where and how so? How is my heart, how is how I live aligned with what I believe? In older versions of this text, it was translated life and doctrine. How is my life aligned with or out of alignment with my doctrine? So you may be asking, do we really need to be told to pay attention to ourselves? And my answer to that is, in this way, yes, we do. Now, you know what can happen when it comes to paying attention. 
If you've ever had a conversation with someone and you might be looking them straight in the eyes, you might be hearing every single word they're saying, but you're not paying attention. Often that person will notice, <laughs> this may have happened to you, and you'll say to the person who's giving you that blank stare, are you really paying attention? Are you paying attention to me? And this can happen between coworkers, friends. It can happen uh, kids with your parents. It can happen parents uh, with your kids. We say, are you really paying attention to me? We can be looking, we can be hearing, but not paying attention. And the truth is, this can actually happen with ourselves. We do it all the time with ourselves. Now, Paul is not the only one to model and teach this. Jesus did this. Jesus took time to pay attention to himself. Did you know that? One of the many examples of this is in Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. It says there, The news about Jesus spread all the more, so that crowds of people came near him to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Why did he do this? Think about it. Jesus, the Son of God, perfect human being, often withdrew from people, from activity, from the needs of people all around him to pay attention to himself. He was deeply aware of his own need for rest, of time and space in the presence of God, his Father. Jesus not only did this, he told his disciples to do it. In Mark 6, 30 and 31, it says this, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. I love this story from the life of Jesus. The apostles came to Jesus. They were on assignment uh, from him, and they came back. And he said, Jesus, here's all that we've done. Here's all that we were able to teach. And Jesus says, when was the last time you ate? You've done well. You've done really well. Now get away, rest, eat. Isn't this the same as him saying to them and to us? You need to pay attention to yourself. If you just keep going and going, you'll either burn out and quit, or you'll just keep going and going with nothing left to give. So you'll just be going on fumes, pretending on the outside, empty on the inside. Either way, you've lost yourself and you're no good for yourself or for the other people God has called you to serve. So Jesus did this. Jesus told his disciples to do this. And maybe the best place for us to look when, we, when it comes to the question of, well, what does it even look like to pay attention to ourselves in this way is the book of Psalms. In the book of Psalms, we find things like the prayer, oh, why are you cast down, O my soul? We just read that in our call to worship. We find the psalmist saying, rest in God alone, O my soul. Or wake up, my soul. Or bless the Lord, O my soul. Who is he talking to? He's talking to himself in the presence of God. Application here for us, especially in this time. We built an entire way of life. We live an entire world system that has been characterized by busyness and distraction 
and consumerism and achievement and accomplishment and entertainment and technology, all these things that keep us or at least make it virtually impossible for us to be present to God, to have time and space for honest self-awareness before God. Our attention has been fractured in a thousand different directions. Now, much of those things are gone now, at least temporarily. So in this time, friends, can I ask you this? I'm asking myself this. Will we keep distracting ourselves and stay busy and keep going and doing and doing and not pay attention to what's really happening inside of us? If we do this, the impact on ourselves and the people we are called to love and serve will be great. Here's where this question comes in. You might be thinking, but I hear what you're saying, but isn't it really selfish to pay attention to ourselves? Of course, it can be if done for the wrong reasons. But let's look back at 1 Timothy here. Look at verse 16. Paying attention to his teaching and to himself, Paul is saying, is what makes him able to bring life and health to other people. One old commentator said this about verse 16. Timothy draws that which he gives to others from that which he himself possesses. Or as one of my favorite teachers in this area says, uh, Pastor Pete Scazzaro, we cannot give what we do not possess. Friends, now we need each other. Spouses, we need each other. Our kids need us. Parents. Parents, we need our kids and their support. Friends, we need each other. Church family, we need each other. As neighbors, we need each other. But we cannot give what we do not possess. And you cannot possess unless you give time and space for honest self-awareness in the presence of God. There we find that God longs to give to us and we receive from Him what we need and what we need in order to be able to love and serve others. So it is not selfish at all for us to pay attention to ourselves in this way. The old French uh, philosopher and mathematician um, and scholar Blaise Pascal, he's well known for saying this, all men's miseries derive from not being able to sit in a quiet room alone. He's saying all our miseries derive from the inability for us to pay attention to ourselves in this way. Now, I realize some of you are at home uh, with babies or young kids or in a full house, and you would probably say to me, I will give you a million dollars to sit in a quiet room alone right now. And some of you have too much time alone. You'll say, I'll give you a million dollars to not sit in a quiet room alone. But what Pascal is saying is our greatest fear is really to pay attention to ourselves with full honesty and to see and own what's there. We're afraid. But the message of the gospel of Christianity is we don't have to be afraid to pay attention to ourselves in this way. We can sit in a quiet room alone because the real God can handle the real us. He already knows everything about you, and he loves you anyway. He loves the real you. He loves the you that you don't want to pay attention to. He loves that you, and he has more than enough grace for whatever is really going on with you. 
Friends, paying attention to ourselves is essential, but it's not enough. Now, Paul isn't, and I'm not talking about the benefits of meditation or mindfulness or emotional honesty by themselves, although all those have their place. Paul is talking about how we become personally present to the living and real God of the universe, how we come to know him, how we come to receive and possess what he wants to give to us. So first, we do need to know the real us. We need to pay attention to ourselves. But secondly, we need to pay attention to the God who loves the real us. And that's my second point. John Calvin, the great theologian from back in the 16th century, he began his most well-known work on the Christian faith with these famous words. It's in your reflection quotes if you'd like to follow along. He said, Without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. Our wisdom, insofar as it ought to be deemed true and solid wisdom, consists almost entirely of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. But as these are connected by many ties, it is not easy to determine which of the two proceeds and gives birth to the other. Now, he goes on to explain what he's talking about. He says, when we see the gifts we've received in this life. He says, when we marvel at the wonder of our existence in the world, and he says, when we see all these incredible benefits we enjoy just by being alive, he says it's like springs that take us back to the fountain where they all come from. But then he also says that when we truly pay attention to ourselves and see our pain, when we see our brokenness, he says, our spiritual poverty, our misery and our sin and failure, he says then, every person, therefore, on coming to a knowledge of themselves, is not only urged to seek God, but is also led by the hand to find him. Saying the more we are really paying attention to ourselves, honestly, our true and real self, the good stuff and the bad and the ugly stuff that we don't want to see or admit, the more honest and aware we are of all of it, the more we are led to seek God. The more God is reaching out his hand there to the real us, the more we can find him. The more that God will lead us to himself. Look at the text again. Look at verse 13. Paul tells Timothy in verse 13, give attention to, to what? He says public reading, exhortation, preaching, and teaching. And then in verse 16, he says, pay close attention to your life and to your teaching. So the reading of scripture and teaching and exhortation, all these are what? There are ways that the word of God is shared and received. Kids, here's your second picture. You drew a picture of yourself looking in a mirror. Now I would like you to draw another picture, a picture of yourself uh, with an open Bible. His word is how he is revealed to us, how he is known by us, and how he becomes present to us. Paying attention to God in his word is how he saves us. Past, present, future. Verse 16, for in doing this, Timothy, he says, you save both yourself and your hearers. Now, throughout the Bible, if you did a quick search and, and just search this phrase in the Bible, pay attention, you'd find many references. And what you'll find is how many times God is telling us in his word, pay attention. You might be looking at me. You might be hearing my words, but are you paying attention? 
He says, throughout the history of Israel to them, I was speaking, I was holding out my hand to you, but you were not paying attention. An example of one of these places is in Isaiah 55. There God says, come everyone who's thirsty, come to the water. You without silver, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. Why do you spend silver on what is not food and your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good, and you will enjoy the choicest of foods. Pay attention. Come to me. Listen, so that you will live. You know, a few months ago, if I told you, hey, um, I want you to listen to this talk by Dr. Anthony Falke. Now, he's a leading epidemiologist. Like, it's really good and fascinating stuff. Why don't you listen to this talk with me? Or if I said, hey, let's pay attention to what Dr. Francis Collins says a national institute of health director like he's got some really good information on vaccines or if i said hey why don't we tune in to uh, the latest press conference of our governor uh, gavin newsom on all on all accounts in all those examples you would have said to me that is boring i do not want to watch that if i'm going to watch it i'm not going to pay attention to anything they're saying really but now in all three cases our attention is riveted on what these three people have to say. Why? Because we're looking to save ourselves and others. We're looking to save ourselves and others from all that we're facing with COVID-19 and all that it's brought into our lives so that we can live and so that others can live. We're paying attention to every word these authorities and leaders are saying. The principle is this. We will pay attention to what we believe will save us. That's where our attention is. We pay attention to the news now. Underneath that is the belief that maybe the government will save us. We pay attention to medical experts. Underneath that is the belief that maybe medicine will get us out of this. We pay attention to finances and wonder, will the economy save us and get us out of this? We pay attention to comforts and entertainment, and we wonder, maybe my distractions will save us. While all these things do have their place in bringing us through this crisis, none of them can save us from the fear, the anxiety, the dread, and even the death that has come so close into our lives because of all the challenges and the crisis that we're in. Only Jesus, the Word, made flesh can save us. Timothy was asking Paul, help me. I don't know what to do. Who will save me in this pastoral situation that seems so overwhelming? Paul says, pay attention to yourself and to the God who saves. Now we are asking for help. What will save us in the situation we are in with coronavirus, with the things we don't want to pay attention to in us, the fear, the anxiety, the dread, and the fear even of death itself? What will save us? Paul would say, I believe the same thing to us. Pay attention to yourselves and pay attention to the God who saves in Jesus Christ, the one who lived, the one who died for us, the one who was risen from the grave for us. He alone is the one who can save us. Something that's been happening here with this pandemic um, is actually the recovery of a number of lost treasures of spiritual guidance. 
These are treasures of spiritual guidance for times of plague. You may have seen some great insight from Martin Luther, for example. Uh, this week, I came across of one of these lost treasures. Uh, it's called. It's a sermon called uh, "A Welcome to the Plague" by a pastor named Samuel Shaw. He lived in London uh, in the 1600s. In the late 1600s, there was a plague. Uh, actually, it came through London. He actually lived in a village nearby London, but the plague came from London to his village. He and his wife actually got sick from this plague. They actually lost two of their children. Many of the members of their church passed away, and he did many of their funerals. During that time, he preached a sermon called A Welcome to the Plague, quite a sermon title. And he said this. It's a fascinating sermon. You can find it online. Uh, but I, I want to summarize something I felt has struck me so powerfully when it comes to what Paul is saying to Timothy here. Uh, this, this pastor, Samuel Shaw, said, In time of plague and aff affliction, we must choose what we will converse with. That's his way of saying we must choose what we will pay attention to. He says, Converse not with. Do not focus your attention on what he calls creature comforts. Um, for me, this has been Oreos and Trader Joe's gummy, gummy penguins or Disney Plus. Don't pay attention to creature comforts. And don't converse with creature causes. Where did this come from? What was the cause of this? How do we prevent this? Just don't focus your best attention on creature causes. Don't even focus your best attention on creature cures, hope in a vaccine and herd immunity and all these things that are important. But he says, don't put your focus on these things. Don't put your focus on creature losses, all the things that we have lost and grieved. Don't put your focus on mere flesh and blood, the opinions of other people. All have their place, but he says none can save us. He says converse with God. Pay attention to him in his word. Pay attention to his absolute and unlimited sovereignty, his perfect and infinite righteousness, his faithfulness, his holiness, his unspotted purity, his almighty power, his unsearchable wisdom, his unbounded goodness, love, and mercy. And lastly, he says, above it all, converse often with the infinite self-sufficient fullness of God in the day of greatest extremity. That's old English. But let me translate it like this. He's saying, no matter what we have lost, no matter what we fear we might lose, pay attention to all that we have in the fullness of Christ himself. All God's fullness, all of his promises are ours in Jesus Christ. Turn our thoughts and our hearts to this. I want to share two uh, final thoughts with you. By way of application, pay attention to ourselves, giving time and space for honest self-awareness uh, before God. Pay attention to God, opening up our time and space and our hearts for his word. Now, these things are um, equal in importance, as John Calvin pointed out. And some people are great at paying attention to uh, ourselves. We might know our Enneagram number. We know our personality types. We are good at self-awareness, but it's not enough by itself. We will just become self-absorbed if that's all we have. Now, some people, though, are great at paying attention to God and in his word with theology and study and going deep uh, in mining the treasures 
of biblical theology, but that is not enough in itself. We need both, and especially in this time, we need honest self-awareness, the real us coming in to contact, paying attention to God, the real God in his word. So we need practices, we need regular rhythms of paying attention to ourselves in this way. We need to give time and space for this. As we read earlier in our worship uh, service in Psalm 139, it's a great example of a psalm. A psalm that leads us into honest self-awareness in the presence of God. We need practices and regular rhythms of paying attention to God in His Word. A great place to start is in the psalms. And one of the best ways you can serve the other people in your life are helping them have time and space for paying attention to themselves and opening up time and space to listen to God in His Word. Last point I want to make. Though these are equal in importance, they should never be equal in measure. The old Scottish preacher Robert Murray McChaney is well known for saying, for every look at yourself, take ten looks at Christ. For every look at ourselves, we must take ten looks at Christ. Friends, during this time when there's so much vying for our attention, so much we're looking around at, look to Christ. He is the all-sufficient Savior. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we are living in a time where our hearts are running to and fro. We're afraid, many of us, I know I am, to look at what's really happening in my heart even feeling like we don't know if we can understand it. There's fear, there's anxiety, there's weary, there's worry, and there's a weariness and a dread and a grief. And I pray that you would give us the grace of being able to pay attention to ourselves in your presence so that we can bring what's really happening before you. And would you meet us? Would you meet us with the truth of your word? And by your spirit, would you take the truth that you are Savior, that you are an all-sufficient rescuer. You would take that truth to whatever's really happening inside of us and bring peace, guard our hearts and minds, and lead us again and again by your hand closer to you. We need that so desperately, and we pray that today and tomorrow, and in the days and the weeks to come, that over and over again we find your hand, we grab a hold of it, and we be led back to you. We pray this all in the name of Jesus.